0: Good afternoon and welcome to Stories in Public Health. I'm your host Emily Dieter, and today I'm very excited. Um, we are having a PhD Master's Student Roundtable so this is for anyone in public health who's studying or thinking about studying. Um, I've collected a bunch of my favourite people from around Sydney to come to my apartment and talk about their studies, why they studied, things they've struggled with or lessons they've learnt to try and hopefully give you some inspiration and some um, yeah tips as you're going along. So I will go around the room um, and um, everyone can introduce themselves, what they're studying, and then we'll have a bit of a chat. And I would like to just put a bit, a bit of a caveat in at the beginning that we are an all-female cast today. Uh, and I did ask some male um, PhD students to come along, but um, I think they're a little bit shyer than. Um, the people who said yes today so I'm sorry but still
1: valuable. Um, we will start with Kate. Welcome Kate. Hi Emily, um, I'm Kate Whitford. I finished my Master in Public Health last year um, and I currently work at the Kirby Institute in Surveillance Evaluation and Research Program. Excellent and Kate was in my Epi and Biostats tutorial <laughs> last year and she was an excellent student. <laughs> Hi,
2: I'm Jo Koo. I'm um, doing my PhD looking at the role of private health insurers in chronic disease management through the University of Wollongong and the Capital Markets Cooperative Research Centre. Excellent, thank you.
3: Hi everyone, I'm Amy Vasalo, a PhD student from the Faculty of Health Sciences at the University of Sydney. I'm studying injury epidemiology in dances and about three months away from submission.
4: Hi, my name is Moreika Steffens. I just started my PhD at Macquarie University, which is how I know Emily. Yes, we go for coffee runs together, it's very fun. We do. <laughs> um, yeah, so five months in and really enjoying it. And it's kind of a combination between public health and science communication. So my first study will be looking at how public health organisations use social media to communicate about health, but also to combat misinformation.
0: Yeah, it's a really interesting topic, and you used to be a journalist, is that's right? Yeah, I've
4: worked in the media before. Excellent.
0: Um, so, I really didn't think this through, and I don't know what question to start with. Maybe to lead off, someone could start with why they decided to study public health or start a PhD. I can go if you need some thinking time. Amy's ready.
3: I can go. Um, it's it's really why I decided to study public health, Um and that's because i started my kind of science medicine journey in basic sciences in lab sciences and i just wanted to do something that had much more of a broader broader perspective and that i could see much more of the translational outcomes of what i was doing much quicker than you typically can in lab-based sciences um, and i also wanted a bit more of a broader perspective than clinical clinical um, allied health or medicine or nursing or something like that so that's really what drew me and attracted me to working in public health
0: and do you think that's what you've gotten out of it or has it been different
3: than you've expected no it definitely um like i expected
2: oh that's good yeah
3: yeah
2: i think i've also been uh was drawn to public health looking at things from a sort of systems perspective rather than sort of individual one-on-one my original Um, degree was in psychology and then I decided I didn't want to be a psychologist um, but I was still really interested in health and um, improving people's health so um, I started working off working in um, the non-government sector in drug and alcohol and mental health services in in project um, management and decided that um, public health I was interested in aspects of health policy and I decided to do a master's in public health
0: and I know you're not supposed to ask
2: PhD students this but do you know what you want to do at the end I don't think I do know what I wanted want to do at the end I think I'm trying to keep my options open um I'm much more drawn to continuing to try and work in an academic research career than I was when I started but that seems to go up and down throughout my PhD. Yeah, that's um, understandable. It could be common to a lot of people but um, given that I worked for about 10 years in the public health field before starting my PhD I think I know that there are lots of other options there but I am, um, I find research really interesting um, and want to continue in that in some way, whether that's in uh, a university or an alternative academic setting. I'm still figuring that out. I think that's what a PhD is for, so
1: that's good. (laughs) Kate? Um, I was working in um, the private sector in finance and then decided to, I was kind of the same as what the others have said, like um, helping people on a population level and having a population level impact with with your health research or health activities is really appealing as opposed to clinical where you're kind of just interacting with one person or a really small group of people. It's really appealing. And yeah, as Amy said, I kind of found the same or it kind of met or exceeded my expectations when I went into it. You really do feel like you're kind of reaching a lot of people, maybe not having as much impact as if you're talking to one person, but um, you're reaching a lot more people and also improving health outcomes um, through Improving efficiencies in the health system as well, which yeah. can make a massive difference.
0: That's an excellent point. Yeah. Would you like to say anything, Marika?
1: Yeah,
4: I she guess. She does, she's not enthusiastically. <laughs> <laughs> I um, think I've told you this story before, but I was in, working in the media, so working at the ABC in health and science, and loving um, investigating those areas, but I always sort of. <laughs> In times where I wasn't so busy, I'd get online and I'd check out Masters of Public Health for a really long time. (laughs) Um, Yeah, without quite knowing why. Um, And now that I'm reflecting back on it, I think it's because I was looking at reasons when I was writing online, for example, about health, I was looking at reasons why people were getting unwell, reasons for diseases, and also interviewing people about how you can prevent these types of things from happening. And... I guess my feeling as a journalist was I was looking at those things on a surface level essentially and I wanted to get more into the guts of that and also to be doing things rather than talking about what other people were doing, which I felt a lot of the times that's what I was doing as a journalist. Um, And that's, I eventually took the leap to do it and yeah no regrets so far. Yeah.
0: and now today I'm asking you to talk about things again
4: <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: and I will just share with people um, our coffee um, discussion when we first became friends because Maruki and I worked together Um, No, it's a good thing, (laughs) she's making faces at me, Uh, that we were downstairs at the coffee cart and I was explaining to Mariki the same thing, you know, I want to help people, all very good reasons, guys, Uh, but when I got to public health, um, I hadn't really fit in in high school and stuff and then I got to um, to do my Master of Applied Epidemiology and all of a sudden I met all these amazing people who felt like me and were really passionate Um, and so I was like, I found my people and Mariki said that you had a similar experience. That's one of my... Everyone's nodding. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm making them on now. <laughs> but that's one of my favourite things about working in public health is the people. Uh, so does anyone have a suggested topic to start with? I, we used up a lot of the good stuff before we started recording, so we'll have to pick it back up. Kate, would you like to tell your story? That I, This is the third time she's telling it today.
1: Oh, and I didn't turn my phone off. Uh, sure, I can tell it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, as I said earlier, I'm... Um, Came back from overseas um, because I wanted to have a career change and go into health, Um, and I started in the master of public health, and there were all these amazing people that were doing it, like amazing doctors and nurses and people from all over the world with amazing experience and really wide range of um, of jobs, and I just felt completely out of my depth. I was like, I don't belong here. Everyone's so so amazing and brings so much to the table, and I just didn't feel that I could add or that I was kind of not in the right place. And I just spoke to this really amazing lecturer who just was like no everyone has something to offer you just get back on track and i kind of um just applied myself and kept going and ended up doing really well and absolutely loving it and haven't looked back so i guess that's one thing i'd say to people thinking about doing it don't if you think you don't have the skills like no one has the perfect set of skills for that it's open to everyone yeah and that's why we're learning
0: yeah yeah um so maybe everyone here is at sort of different phases different stages of their phd um Maybe I'm looking at Amy to start with her, but she doesn't have to. So Amy's just in the finishing part, so I'm probably starting at the end. Uh, but what do you think the challenges are, um, all the good stuff, um, about the end and sort of what sort of major lessons have you learned, and how things change over time? Sorry, that's like three questions in one.
3: That's a thousand questions in one. I do it a, a lot, sorry. Um, <laughs> because you... You come into a higher degree by research and you're so enthusiastic and you think you're going to have a Nobel Prize winning research project by the end of it and you're going to make a difference in everybody's lives and and we all go into it thinking this, um, but we also all will lose our motivation at some point during this process. and. I had never, I'd never really realised this before, but I had never in my life before now done the same thing for three years in a row. I'd never had the same job for three years. When you're doing a coursework degree, you just do a subject for a semester and then you have the satisfaction of your final exam, done, tick, I've achieved something and you can move on. Um, but maintaining motivation for your quite narrow focused research degree during a higher degree by research is something that I found incredibly challenging. And I think a lot of people in public health have very high expectations of, the, of what they would like to achieve, but they also have quite diverse interests as well, um, which is another reason why public health is so appealing, because you can move from so many different content areas, um, but not being able to do that while well, you need to maintain motivation yeah. to get get through that final hurdle of a PhD I've found quite challenging
4: I'm just curious to know how you got your motivation back
3: (laughs) sure um I I remember when I lost my motivation and I don't really know how I got it back I think I and maybe a lot of other HDR students High degree by research students do this, but I did toy with the idea of should I finish this? Should I go and do something else? Do I really want to be doing a PhD? And it was really when I made that realization that, and I I made the decision, yes, I'm going to finish. I'm going to contribute something with this research project, even if it's not in the end exactly what I had envisioned it would be at the beginning. And I can see the finish line. I can see a cohesive story coming together. I'm going to do it and I can do it. so it wasn't, bringing back my motivation wasn't the primary goal. It was, I can see the finish line, which gave me back my motivation. that makes sense? Yeah. yeah, excellent. I feel like there were a thousand questions in your <laughs> initial question.
2: Sorry, just if that. You, no. I think
3: Joseph has something to say, but then if you think
0: of any other answers sure. to my Cheers. thousand questions.
2: I think I had that feeling of it being a really long commitment as well before I started my PhD, and that was one of the things that probably made me wait as long as I did before starting to do it because I thought three years plus you know it's such a long time to commit um but I guess now that I'm two years into it it actually has seemed like a really quick time and I guess some of the things that have helped me maintain the motivation is um understanding how or appreciating the differences to of what I get to do day to day compared to what I was doing before. Like I really like the autonomy of what I'm doing. I really love the fact that I can explore issues that, you know, i thought about for a long time at a more superficial level but have the time now to explore it in depth. And, you know, all the skills and new things I get to do, new people I get to meet on a day to day basis is really great.
0: Oh, that that's good motivation. My motivation that kept me going, uh, mine isn't as good as both of you, um, was that Um, that I knew I wanted to teach. I'd done some tutoring and things and I also knew, I never thought that I would work in academia, but um, yeah, once I was brought into it, I really liked it. So I knew I wanted to work in research and I knew I wanted to teach. So I knew I needed a PhD um, to do that. So I think knowing so concretely what I wanted to do at the end really helped me but I, I know not everyone has that um, stolen my final tip Oh sorry what, what was your final
3: tip that my final tip so we, so we were asked to prepare our, our um, tips for people going into a PhD and that was really one of mine that is know what you want to get out of it or have an idea of what you want to get out of it while you're going into it because there are so many reasons why a person would want to do a research degree there are so many different pathways that you can take after a PhD but having that um at least thought of what you would want to use it for and discussing that with your supervisors right towards the beginning of your degree can really help you not lose focus and not feel like you're not learning from your research degree what you wanted to be learning from it to help you with the career path that you want to take afterwards so that's going to be my Oh, well, it's a good one. That's why we both yeah. said
0: it. I also yeah. feel like you say things really nicely, like, lost my motivation, whereas I'm just like, I wanted to quit. <laughs> 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 Not all the time, no, no. but there were times I was like, I can't do it anymore. Um, okay, what should, what should the next thing we talk about? we feel thought we'd be talking about a lot. What's, like, some of the best things that, like, you've learned along the way or some of the best things that have
4: happened? Um, I guess what i wanted to talk about was kind of in part a challenge and also in part a really good thing that's happened so sounds perfect yeah so one of the things that i was a bit worried about before i started was that i was going to walk into this place where i was doing my phd and i was going to be my peer group was going to be 23 year olds and i'm not 23 yeah far from 23 so i was really worried about that and it was kind of stressing me out and i think uh, I, I sort of hadn't met that many other PhD students um, when I first started, but I had to do a, an annual review presentation a couple of weeks ago. And all Very of the good PhD feedback and on that, by the way. <laughs> and all of the Very other good. PhD students were presenting on that day. And I kind of, when I was sitting there, I was the second to present, so I was sort of like looking over my shoulder to see who the other people were in the room. But I really got an opportunity to look at the room once I stood up on the, on the platform to talk. And I realised that there was such a diverse group of people in the room yeah. diverse in age diverse in background diverse in motivation for actually doing the phd and it kind of made me go like it's actually okay that i'm doing this at this point in my life and and it's not about comparing yourself to other people this is the pep talk i give myself and I'm. Kind it's of, a good one yeah it's not about comp- comparing yourself to other people but rather are you interested in what you're doing and um if the answer is yes then you're doing a a great thing, it's the right choice to do, so I suppose like that was a challenge for me that I haven't necessarily overcome, but I've observed some um, really nice things at the Institute and that's made me feel better about it.
0: Oh, that's a good story. Does anyone else have any uh, challenges or highlights they'd like to share? I've got a good lesson while you're thinking. Um, mine was at the beginning of my peer beginning maybe six months a year in. Um, And I, sorry, I feel like I'm saying I don't fit a lot today, but I have never really felt like I fit in academia because there's all these really brilliant, smart people. And I'm a little bit goofy, if you've listened to my other podcasts. Um, And I went into this meeting to present my PhD results with all these very senior people. And I wasn't really nervous about the presentation because I'd like practiced so much and I knew the stuff. But um, I got in a bit early and there was like a lunch before the presentation. And there's all these like really smart senior people sitting around and they were having like all these like really smart people conversations like oh did you see that documentary and this I don't know I can't even think what they're talking about but I was just sitting there going I can't contribute to this conversation that all really smart and then I did the presentation it went really well and we walked out of the room and I said to my PhD supervisor I don't really feel like I I belong here and um, I was like I'm goofy and she went Yes, Emily, but you're serious about the science, and that's all that matters, and that's really stuck with me, Um, and then especially since I've been doing this podcast, realizing that even post-PhD, there's people from all walks of life, and there's not one type of academic person, and you can just be yourself as long as you're really serious about the work. That was one of my big lessons. Anyone else? Might have to edit this bit out. Everyone's having
4: some thinking time. I was just going to say, can you say, like, ask the question? Again? <laughs> like falling out of my brain. Okay.
0: <laughs> Anything you feel like sharing, what would you want to say to yourself at the beginning of your PhD that you now know? What do you want to tell people?
2: Oh, if I wanted to say something to myself, I think it would be, it would, yeah, it would be a bit different. It's not really a highlight or a challenge. It was more about, I think, being patient. So I think when you're in another context where you know, you're you working, um, prior to working, starting my PhD, I was, I was working a role where I was sort of managing a program and so you have to make a lot of decisions and you have lots of things coming at you on a day-to-day basis. But, um, and so I didn't realize but I think I was a little bit impatient about wanting results and wanting to understand everything and wanting to figure out what I was doing and figure out my research questions and I think it yeah caused it the stress didn't come from anyone else I've got great supervisors and that sort of that sort of thing it was more about me and I think once I let that go a little bit and you just realize that things happen over time things become clearer for you 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 know make incremental kind of progress on what you're doing and and that sort of thing and so I think that was a really um valuable Thing that I've learned throughout throughout the process to be a little bit more patient in
4: these yeah, things. that's a good one. I just wanted to say, Joe, thank you so much for that advice. <laughs> My part of, and I guess this happens in everyone's in everyone's PhD, but a lot of what I've been doing recently is reading and reading and reading and reading, and I've sort of been like overwhelmed by the amount of reading that I have to do and the amount of knowledge there is to kind of absorb and and retain and um, and I feel like I need to do it all now and I need to read everything now so I can kind of understand everything so that I can go out and ask the right questions but it's good to hear that it's about being patient and letting it settle and it will come to you because, yeah, it can be overwhelming.
0: <laughs> and Amy, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about this but you are at the very end of your PhD and you are struggling with that a little bit and I would like to hear from you because I too struggled at the very end.
3: Um, sure. So... I am. I've just I've just set my submission date three months from now to hand in my big book um, (laughs) at the end of three years. And I think what I am struggling with the most is that I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing next. So come the twenty eighth of February next year, I will have no job. I will no longer be a PhD student, which is what my identity has been completely wrapped up in for the past three years, and. Again I said this as a complete advantage to public health but it's also a disadvantage in that there are so many things you can do with it it's not like I um, can go particularly into clinical practice which a lot of my PhD colleagues have that as almost like a backup career option there a lot mm. of everybody except for one other girl is a clinician so they know oh well if I don't get a job in academia if I can't find something in research I can go back to my clinical practice and do that for a while until I work things out and that's not an option for me so I guess it is that black hole of unknown what am I doing next for somebody who is such a controlling planner of a person that that's Really?
0: Yeah, I understand. I had the same thing um, as I've told you. So just to yeah. normalize it, because I didn't. Joe apparently has heard about this from other people that it can be difficult at the at the end. But no one told me that it was going to be difficult, and I. And
3: it's not the actual PhD that's difficult. No,
1: it's I'll not sp- actually. A little I little bit. I'll talk <laughs> about what exactly is difficult. Yeah, I Just like to know like some more specific examples or something like that.
3: So well. I know what I need to write about now. Yeah, I know. I've, I've got two chapters left to write my introduction and my discussion all of the inside study chapters are Pretty much done. I'm just finalizing it, but Are you doing it by chapter not by publication that- Um, so it's it's a hybrid so yep. I have four publications one report and then an introduction and a discussion yep. um And so it's not at this point It's not the content that's difficult because it's in my head. I know what I want to write about I know the recommendations that I want to that I want to develop. I know um, the story that I want to feed through it, it's all in my head. But what's difficult is, is kind of like concluding this chapter of your life in a way. It sounds a bit airy-fairy, but it's that I have no idea what I'm going to do it's next. It's more like the
1: meaning of the ending rather yeah, than the actual, the
3: actual ending itself. So. Yeah, like, and yeah, then the yeah. actual ending. Exactly, yeah. okay, not, that the, not that the actual PhD itself hasn't been difficult at times before. I'm not okay. saying that that part is easy, but yeah
2: I think part of the challenge as well is that if depending on the path that you take there can be different lead times and different things that you think you need to do so I don't know from how I see it um, academic positions have a much longer lead time in terms of um, you know interviewing and applications and stuff than if you were to look at a job in a you know an NGO or private organization or hospital or something like that where you apply for a job and you know a month later you might do an interview or something like that so I think there is that you know tension that continues that starts sorry I think well before three months you know before Mm -hmm. your end date because it's something that I think about even now it's sort of like oh you know if you're going to be doing something do you start looking at sort of topics for a postdoc or do you start thinking about and you it's that constant sort of pressure about thinking um I should be doing something more now to try and prepare Prepare myself and then how
3: much should I let that distract me from actually finishing Mm -hmm. my PhD should I be going and collaborating with other people to get more publications so that I look more competitive for a fellowship application or should I just concentrate on finishing writing my PhD and it's those sorts of things should I go and get some teaching experience be a tutor for this semester because then I'll be more competitive for an academic teaching position or should I just focus on writing my PhD it's those sorts of of decisions that are bigger than just the writing up of your thesis.
0: Yeah, I Sounds terrifying.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, but I'm sorry.
0: I wanted to bring it up not to terrify people, but for me, I had a very similar thing where I didn't know what I was going to do after. And I I wanted to talk about it to sort of normalise it because I had no idea. And I I really appreciate that you've been really open and honest about it because I wasn't. Because I was kind of like, I'm at the end. I shouldn't be wanting to quit. I'd like, you know, I've got three months to go. This is the exciting time. I should be feeling happy. And like, I know everything um and I wasn't and so I really kept it like inside like you know to everyone yes I'm like oh like I'm a together person like I'm almost finishing my PhD I'm really excited to
3: finish yeah and you can't walk you down the hall at the same
0: time. <laughs> yeah everyone like walks down the hall oh my god you're finishing and I I just was hating myself I was in such a spiral and the thing that changed it was for me was I went to this meeting and I don't know what possessed me because I've got lots of close friends but this woman who had previously done a PhD was sitting next to me. I'd only met her like twice before. And she was like, How are you? And I just like verbal diarrhea at her, like, Oh my god, I'm not okay. I don't know how I'm gonna finish this, I wanna quit. It
1: was so terrible.
0: And she just looked at me and she was like, Yeah, that's what happens. Like that's normal. And it really shifted it for me because I think the thing that made it worse that I was going I was thinking I was like a freak. Like I shouldn't have been thinking that. So once I went, Oh, everyone feels like this, I kind of went. then I was kind of okay with it somehow Mm. so that's why I wanted to tell people not to scare you PhDs are good
3: being a broad researcher is also a tremendous opportunity at the end of the Mm. day it's it's a scary and intimidating place to be as well but it is a tremendous opportunity to go and then do something completely different from your narrow focus of your PhD maybe you're getting a bit bored in that content area Mm. you do have a lot of transferable skills that can take you to a different, re- even if you want to stay in research, a different content area. So that is exciting. Yeah. As
0: well as and speaking of this, does anyone have any sort of tips or things of what you should do sort of to get those jobs at the end? And I think this applies for you too, Kate. The MPH can be a very broad degree. Yeah. So what are the kind of things that you can do when you are looking for a job? I get asked that a lot by the master's students to people
3: and I don't mean it in this terribly staged networking 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 kind of way but um, even the other people in your faculty in your school in your university um, just talk to them a lot of jobs aren't advertised the way that external jobs we're used to having them advertised just talk to people and especially around this time of the year um, because it's when people have found out about their grants so they'll be looking for um, new researchers to come and join their team it's a really good time just to just to see what else is yeah and don't be scared like people in.
1: are so happy to help so happy. younger researchers like don't ever be scared to be just cold contact someone and i know heaps of people that have got jobs ex- from doing exactly that like um people this girl that i know emailed my boss who was a professor and ended up getting a job and doing her ma out of it so it's always worth cold contacting you may get a really good lead out of it just talk to yeah i agree with that talk to everyone you can good advice yeah.
3: and it is a surprisingly powerful position to be in by just being able to call contact people and say I'm a PhD candidate from blah 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 I'd like to talk to you about blah 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 um, it, it gives you a recognizable identity that people go oh yeah. yes, of course I would be happy to share this experience with you rather than I'm a random person that yeah, yeah. they don't know so much where you're coming from so so use that
0: I'm just a bit conscious of time and something we did say that we were going to talk about is procrastination and I really want to talk about it so that's why I'm bringing it up now. Who would like to start us off?
2: Well, I was going to say as one of the tips about oh, yeah. what you might want to do is is about, like I found um, Twitter to be something that's really good to find out what's out there not just because... Of I, jobs? Yeah, for jobs oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. just other, you know, um, careers and other people you might be interested in. I think sometimes if you're in a certain academic institution you can become a bit you know insular you know all the people that you work with but I think something like that um, something like Twitter really helps you to know what else is out there as well overseas and stuff like that but I was also going to say that it has the sort of downside of perhaps being um, procrastination. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I would so agree with that though um, about sort of increasing your profile. And we're going to have a podcast interview in a couple of weeks to um, give us some tips on how to actually grow our online profile. Um, so yes, that leads on nicely to procrastination. Does anyone want to start,
1: or does no one here procrastinate? They're all very dedicated. I'm definitely a bad procrastinator. <laughs> but one thing I found, it's kind of like that saying, you do more when you're busy. When I was doing, like, I was doing four units and then working quite a lot and I basically just build in relaxation time that we allow yourself to relax and enjoy rather than thinking you have to spend the whole weekend working I'd like organize to meet a friend or go to a movie or whatever and then I'd feel refreshed to do work the next day like if you build in the relaxation time and allow yourself to do that then it's
4: yeah
0: because there's nothing cool. worse than going I'm going to work on this for eight hours yeah, today and you then you get up it. and you're like I'm going to do it now break it. yeah no break it down, break that's it good. down until mm. you can yeah. be
3: working for an eight hour day but it's like an hour of Email, an hour of literature, two hours mm. of data analysis. Oh, Break so it up.
1: Know. Don't sit down in front of a blank diary yeah. schedule and go, oh, I'm going to work good. for the next eight hours. When yeah, yeah. you're tired, that's do something times. that's good when you're tired, like data entry or something that's easy, and yeah. then just like make it manageable for yourself.
0: Yeah. What about yeah. if you really like just can't get into it? Like, you know those days when you've said eight hours and then you just sit there and you haven't done it? And then you get to the end of the day and then you still haven't done it, but then you just haven't even done something nice for yourself as well. You've just... <laughs> wasted a day and then you're sitting
4: at home going I hate myself I reckon the best thing to do is to get away from your desk and go for a walk and do some exercise and then one of my strategies is to definitely uh, the, the worst thing I find is thinking about starting work and then once you actually sit down and start doing it, it's not as bad as you thought it would be. So yeah, true. So you just
1: say to yourself, do half an hour. Is yeah. Like
4: what my mum used to always say, do
1: half an hour. And then by the time you've worked on it for half an hour, you're into it, so you don't want to stop. That's so the, so true. you're like, half an hour is manageable. And then you end up doing more anyway. Yeah, I actually yeah. used that one. And I read yeah. something somewhere about
0: you need to work with the little lazy person in your head, so don't fight them. So when they're like, you go, oh, I'm going to do two hours, and that little person goes... No, you're not. So then you go. I've got to do an hour, and then the person goes, No, you're not. <laughs> and, and so, you go, okay, half an hour, and they're like, No. So my thing is fifteen minutes because my head goes, fifteen minutes, I can do that. And then it is that thing of once you're into it, <laughs> yeah, it's not true. funny. I don't know why he's a man. It's weird.
1: I don't know. I'm just imagining your baby person. <laughs> just <makes> like having <laughs> a conversation. You
0: know one <laughs> At your desk. <laughs> yeah. Most people who know me won't be surprised to know I speak to myself. <laughs> okay those are all good tips and also again just everyone know that we all do it I think mm-hmm. and we are going to dedicate a podcast to it because I would really like some more tips because I still do it now and actually I forgot I was going to mention this that I you can even use your job to procrastinate I was working almost full-time for the first couple of years of my PhD and then in the last year I, was like, I can't keep doing this so I hope my PhD supervisor isn't listening um, quit my job so I could focus on my PhD And to be honest, I didn't get that much more work done. I got more procrastination done. And I realized in hindsight that I was working probably more than I needed to because it's so much easier to send an email or, you know, do a small data analysis than to sit down and write a thesis. So, yeah. Yeah, it was much easier. Yeah. Does anyone have any other thoughts on procrastination? They love it. No. Okay, I feel like we've exhausted that. Oh no, Amy's got something. Oh, it's
3: just, it's kind of related to procrastination, but um, sometimes if you're really struggling to get the words down and write, having a conversation about it, just drag another PhD student away from their work for a little while, and having a conversation about it can actually be a really good way of getting the words out and the thoughts together to then go and write something. So instead Mm -hmm. of staring at a blank page, if you just uh, have a bit of writer's block, that's something that i found having that conversation with someone they don't even need to be a content expert about what you're doing you can just be having a chat with another student and that
2: that's really good
0: advice actually because i think i've noticed that with a lot of my master students that they say i can't write this paper or this assignment and then you say talk to me explain to me what you think it is and they can explain it really well so maybe that's a good way to start by having that conversation
2: i I think the other thing is that you know to do research involves a broad range of skills Sort of, you're reading you're writing you're analyzing different types of data and and so it's not it's only natural that some of them I think you're going to prefer more than others and just to be honest about those sorts of things like I think I'm maybe fairly fortunate in that I like writing and I know people that hate writing but then you know doing data analysis sometimes feels like a really boring task oh my god
0: with our powers combined I love data analysis Mm
1: -hmm. that's right so there are certain
2: things that you know but as a PhD student and and, you know as a process of you know learning and training in research skills you have to expose yourself to all of them that's true mm. so you have to do bits you don't
0: like and Rika you were also saying something earlier about the perfectionist thing that we all have would you like to touch on that because I think that feeds into procrastination
4: Yes. So I was saying that um, I definitely have a, a perfectionist streak in me somewhere that I think is hinders me rather than helps me. Mm. And sometimes I feel like wanting things to be perfect the first time I do them before anyone sees them stops. Uh, is actually what stops me from starting sometimes. Yeah. Um And that that's a really Kind of destructive attitude to take because it's great working with other people you just put something down on paper and then send it to them and they give feedback and they're not judging you it's about yeah. working together to produce something
0: and then learning from their feedback absolutely
4: yeah. yeah and so kind of maybe getting over that thought process of wanting things to be perfect yeah. first off is a good thing that's yeah that's really good advice
1: that's something that i've that really enjoyed about working in research is Whenever you write anything, you know there's going to be so many other people that are looking at it, so it's going to be the best it possibly can be. Anyway, that like, you don't have to put pressure on yourself to make what you're doing perfect. So many people collaborate, and it really does make it a lot better. And there's also yeah. no perfect, I think, in, yeah, exactly. in, especially
0: in public yeah. health. You know, like obviously people are still sick, and the world isn't perfect, so there is no perfect answer. Um, so, and even if you wrote the perfect paper, someone might still have a different, you know, perspective. Mm-hmm. But I think that would be my probably big tip. Um, for a PhD is like try not to take the feedback um, personally and I did struggle with it for a long time I was very blessed like I certainly wouldn't want my supervisor to um, think I wasn't because I know not everyone has an amazing supervisor and I did Uh, but a lot of feedback Um, and I'm a better scientist for it like I credit her with that but it was really hard at times to just see things ripped apart Uh, But yeah, trying not to take that personally and just go, okay, these are the things I need to work on because it's not going to stop when you finish your PhD. (laughs) Does anyone else have any big lessons they learned? Nope, they're all staring at me. They've learned nothing. (laughs) Okay, I have one more of them. You guys can keep thinking. Um, My second one is talk to people, whether it's your PhD supervisor Um, and I did sometimes except as I mentioned not at the very end probably when it it counted but like just talk to people when you're like struggling or you don't know what you're doing I think what I really wanted from this podcast was for everyone to know that we all go through things like this and I think doing a PhD um, probably more so than a master's can be very isolating and so talk to people because you're not alone and other people are going through it and I think it's worse when we try and hide the bad things as opposed to just going, I'm actually not coping with this or this is really bugging me or, um, so that was my other, um, advice. And I've sort of taken that on into my career now and it's, I think it's built better work relationships and yeah,
4: made my career better now that everyone just knows I'm a mess. <laughs> I, um, I have some advice that it's not my advice. It's advice that was given to me. Oh, wow. Um, cause I kind of, I don't necessarily like the idea of not finishing on time cause I don't want Um, it's drag on and on and on you hear stories about people's Mm. PhDs dragging on and on and on um, possibly never finishing and so that was a bit of a a worry for me and my supervisor hi Adam um, said you know you need to treat it like a job and show up five days a week or four days a week or whatever it is you do and treat it like a job and I mean obviously you need flexibility in there depending on what your life is like but um, to have that kind of uh, sense of responsibility maybe of showing up and then that's actually one of the biggest steps that you need to take. Yeah
0: that's really true because I for, it's been a while now so I forget that there's no one waiting for you at your desk and things sometimes so you can just not rock mm-hmm. up and those kind of things I forgot about that.
2: Yeah I definitely made the decision to do my PhD full-time for that reason like I, I know that not everyone has that luxury I guess to either have a scholarship or to be supported to do it. But for me, I saw people um, that I worked with who were doing their PhD part-time and it was sort of six or seven years and I'd never known them when not doing their PhD. Yeah. And I just thought for me that to you know maintain um, my focus and also to maintain um, a life outside of my PhD, I thought that it was, you know, I wasn't gonna be able to do the juggle and, of working full-time and doing your PhD part-time for a long period of time. Yeah.
1: Good call.
3: Oh, Amy's got some tips.
2: I have two tips.
3: Um, the first one is is create mini milestones for yourself because it can be having this vague milestone of write a PhD thesis in three to four years is something that can make you feel a bit lost. and. Doing something like turning up every day, nine to five, sitting in a chair can help to create a bit of structure to a PhD because it can be quite an unstructured thing in comparison to coursework or a comparison to a um, job. Um, so can great, yeah, um, create those little milestones and congratulate yourself for them when you can tick them off your to-do list. Um, and also create a network of other HDR students um, because academia is quite a strange thing and if your family or your partner or your the majority of your friends aren't from academia then they just don't understand it you could be devastated because you got a paper rejected and they just don't understand the significance of that um and so if you if you do have a network of other hdr students that can understand where you're going what you're going through and where you're at um it can be an incredibly supportive helpful thing to be able to talk to other people that get it
0: That's really good advice. Kate, do you have any advice for people thinking about doing a Masters or doing a Masters?
1: Um, I guess i would just say um, definitely do it because it's awesome. Um, (laughs) And also just choose subjects that you're interested in. Um, I actually started doing, when I first enrolled, I was enrolled in a Master of Health Management and then I just realised that all the subjects in the Master of Public Health were way more interesting to me. Mm. Um, So I changed and I haven't looked back, that was definitely a good decision so it was kind of gut feeling just Look at what you're interested in and, and do, be guided by that, I think, because you'll do well naturally.
0: Excellent. I like that. What's good advice today? See why I invited them all here? <laughs> um, all right. Well, I think unless anyone has any final thoughts, hands up if you want anything you want to share with the world. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you all for joining me um, in my apartment. This has been uh, amazing. All my favourite people here together. Um, and hopefully it was helpful for people out there thinking about or who are studying. Um, and we'll talk to you next time on Stories in Public Health.